Well, good morning, family. How's everyone? Good. There's, a, there's a, the occasional smile in there somewhere. Um, I um, I got prepared for this morning. I had a shower. I ironed my shirt. I got ready, and then just as I was sitting there, Joel decided to sneeze right in front of me. So I've got some boogers on here, which is probably appropriate. Uh, keep me humble. Um, and all of those things. Listen, it is a privilege um, to be able to open the Bible together as we're going to do this morning. Um, as Scott mentioned, we are continuing our mini-series through our vision statements as a church. And um, as we've said every week so far, a vision by its very nature is aspirational. So these statements are things that we hope for. Things that by the Lord's grace we might journey towards rather than a destination that we have or maybe ever will arrive at. And I, I would really just encourage you to take some time to look through the vision and values on the website, contour.cc, if you haven't checked that out. And especially if you're new to Contour Community Church, it's just a good opportunity to go and see some of the things that we are committed to. Now, I wonder. Is there a harder country anywhere in the world to be a sportsman? I'm a pretty passionate Scottish rugby fan, but if I'm honest, it's kind of a painful pastime. So last Sunday, I got home from church, got myself comfortable on the sofa, sat down to watch the Scotland-Ireland game. And it was a huge game. Scotland maybe had the strongest team we've had for some years and for the most part been playing pretty well over the past year or so and for the first time in a little while the Six Nations Championship title looked like it might just maybe be within reach. Ireland however are the undisputed best team in the world at the moment. They're heading into the Rugby World Cup as clear favourites they're coming to Murrayfield with a Grand Slam in their sights, which we know from yesterday, they went ahead and won. And the first half was some of the best rugby I've watched in a long time. Scotland took the fight to the Irish. They went into halftime with just one point in it. And for just a few moments, I allowed myself to believe that a win was possible. And we might just go on to win the Six Nations Championship. And of course, you all know where this is heading. My belief, certain, my belief soon turned to a very familiar, very Scottish sense of disappointment as the game completely fell apart in the second half. It was like watching Andy Murray almost win the US Open tennis for the third time, or watching the Scotland team almost qualify for the World Cup for the first time in my lifetime. It is a painful existence for the Scottish sports fan. Can anybody sympathize with that feeling? And I think the key issue here is one of expectation. If we were living in Luxembourg and simply had no chance of winning anything at all, it would almost be easier to take. But instead, Scotland is often the one who almost made it. We played just well enough to create hope just well enough to create a sense of expectation that maybe, just maybe, this is our time. And alas, it rarely ever is. 
As we look at the latest section of our vision statement this morning, I am so grateful that we have a God who doesn't give us empty hope. A God that doesn't fail. A God who's able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine. Our expectations are founded on something sure and solid. And that is tremendously encouraging. So as Scott said this morning, we're going to be looking at this statement which says we see a church that is expectant. And I'm going to get, ask Kyle just to put this slide up. So hopefully, do you know what? One of the things I'm most excited about about us potentially getting a new building is a new projector that we can see. Uh, so maybe that's maybe this very first world problem, but, um, but hopefully you can read that. This is what it says in, this, in the vision statement. It says, we see a church that is expectant. We will never, never settle down in material affluence or comfort. Rather, we will be active in furthering God's work through this church. We will never give up. We will not see Christian service as a chore. Mindful of God's past faithfulness, we will move forward with renewed expectation. And the real driver behind this statement was to ensure that as a church, we don't become comfortable and passive. It's far too easy for churches to become something that resembles a country club. A lovely place where we come once a week and we meet with some lovely people where we're lovely to each other and we all have a lovely time for a couple of hours on a Sunday morning. And the reality is, if we become that pseudo country club, we would be missing out on God's blessing and ignoring the mission that he has given us. And in fact, Jesus has some very, very strong words for churches who become comfortable and bland. We're told in Revelation that churches who are lukewarm will be spat out. So instead, we need to have a much bigger vision than that. We need to have a much greater sense of expectation about what the Lord will do among us and through us. And it's my prayer today that as we open God's word, that we will find a renewed sense of expectation about what the Lord has for us here at Contour Community Church. Now, I'm going to make no apologies for returning again to a passage which I've shared from a few times before. I really believe that when we planted Contour Community Church six years ago, God laid this passage on my heart and it continues to be fitting for what we are discussing today. So if you've got Bibles and if you haven't got one, you feel free to grab one from the back. Um, please turn with me to Acts chapter 2 and verse 37. And just before we read, I'm going to give you some context of what's been going on in the previous few verses. So we start this chapter and we see the story of Pentecost, the coming of the Holy Spirit. Jesus has ascended into heaven. He's left the disciples gathered together waiting for this helper that Jesus has promised to arrive. And as they were praying, suddenly the Holy Spirit came among them. And we, we read that the Holy Spirit was like the sound of a violent wind. And there was like flames resting on each person. Verse 4 tells us that they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different languages. And then in response, the disciples spill out onto the streets 
They begin to praise God in different languages and miraculously. People from all sorts of nations and countries and tribes that gather together in Jerusalem begin to hear the truth of God in their own language. And then Peter, we see a little bit later on, stands up and he preaches this most incredible sermon, declaring the gospel message for everyone. And then we join the narrative at verse 37, just after Peter has stopped speaking. It says this, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added to the, that there were added that day about three thousand souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling possessions and belongings and disturbing, uh, distributing proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. May the Lord bless the reading of his word to us this morning. This is an awesome story. And one of the most encouraging passages of scripture to me as we continue our little journey here in Kintor. And I want us to look at this passage step by step as we consider what it means to be a church that's expected. So the first point I want you to take away is that we should be expecting for God to move among us. You'll see in the passage that the Holy Spirit came in incredible ways to the early church. It says that there were signs and wonders and it says that everyone was filled with the Holy Spirit. And brothers and sisters, this morning, today, we've been gifted exactly the same Holy Spirit as the early church was 2,000 years ago. God is just as willing to come and move among us today as he was at Pentecost. And without taking away from the power of God or putting out too much on ourselves, I would argue that often, although not entirely exclusively, but often, the Holy Spirit moves most powerfully among us when we are most expectant of Him. You'll have heard us mention a couple of times, uh, last week in fact there was flyers on the seats about a weekend away that we've got coming up in September. And one of the most brilliant things about these types of weekends away are the times of worship and response. And part of that, I believe, is that we go into things like this with an increased sense of expectation, an increased faith about what God will do. It's often the same with 
Use events like magnitude or ignite. We also have special times when we come together for dedicated holy Bible clubs like we've been talking about, or mission trips where we dedicate time to the Lord. When we come with that increased sense of expectation, that often results in really special times with the Lord. And it says in Acts 2 that the early church were devoted to spending their time with God. And the result was that everyone was filled with awe and there was joy and praise and glad and sincere hearts. And I think it's the same when we choose to dedicate our time to God with expectant hearts. And, and to be really, really clear, in case I'm heading down a road that you're not comfortable with, the Holy Spirit is a gift from God. And it's not the result of some man-made hype. There is nothing to be gained from that. But I do think there's something about when we come with faith and we come with expectation and we come to devote our time to God that we see him move. Just a little story. If anybody's been following the, the story of the move of the Spirit that's been happening in Asbury uh, University in Kentucky, there's a really special time where just Friday Chapel, a bunch of students were getting together and they, they were praising God and they were praying. And there was a movement that was quite unexpected. And in fact, it went on for days and days and days and it's become a bit of a national, international thing. But what you'll see in all of that was complete lack of hype, man-made hype in that entire movement. Just as in Acts 2, they had devoted themselves to teaching and to fellowship and to prayer. And the result was a move of the spirit that has impacted globally. So we need to remember that just as in Acts 2, just as today, the Holy Spirit is always there, ever present, always available. But the difference can often be the fact how our hearts are placed and our expectation and our level of distraction. So we have a vision to be a church that week after week come with an expectation that we don't just gather for routine or just out of loyalty or just out of duty or just because we're a country club. But we gather with hearts ready to praise. Hearts ready, open to change. Hearts eager to meet with the living God, which begs the question, how is your heart when you come week after week to church? I grew up in a church where it felt like there was always a competition for the front row. People were so eager to meet with God that symbolically they would rush for the front row to sort of demonstrate a willingness of heart, an expectation of spirit. If you wanted the front row, you needed to be there early. And guess what? More often than not, we had really special times of worship and ministry and meeting with the Holy Spirit. Now it's important to note, I get it. There are seasons where we're just glad to get to church without a boxing match in the car. Seasons where we're just trying to keep the kids quiet. Seasons where we're distracted by the pressures of life or whatever might be making it difficult to be really present in church. But I would encourage you to take a lesson from the kids here at Kintour who love to be on the front row, who love to worship, who love to pray, who love to be here together. In whatever way you can, fight for the front row. 
Kind of interesting, right? Fight for the front row. Literally, if you want, I'll wrestle you for it. But more importantly, in your heart, come to church to try and give of your best, to sing at the top of your lungs, to listen intently, and the blessing that will come will be far more worth than the sacrifice of some of our Scottish reservation. It's not just sports that make me in Scottish heart. There's something about the way in which we engage with these things, we, as Martin mentioned the other day. So we need to be expected for lives to be changed in our services. And in our small groups, and in our prayer gathering, we need to be expected for bodies to be healed, for the weak to be strengthened, for sin to be convicted, for relationships to be restored, for hearts to be encouraged. Just like in Acts chapter 2, we need to be expected to be filled with awe, to see many wonders and signs, to have glad and sincere hearts, and to be granted the favour of all people. That sounds like more than a country club. That sounds like the kind of church I want to be part of. A vision that I can get on board with. So we need to be expectant for God to move among us. Secondly, we need to be expectant for people to be saved. Our vision statement underlines that we will never give up. We have a mission from God personally and collectively. Right before Pentecost, as we read in Acts 2, we've got Acts chapter 1, and Jesus gives the Great Commission. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The mission he gave was crystal clear. And friends, the mission hasn't changed. We're to be God's witnesses. We're to make disciples in our streets, our towns, our nations. And Acts chapter 1 says you will receive power. And then it says, and you will be my witnesses. And we've seen that same pattern working itself out in Acts chapter 2. The disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were emboldened. And then they spilled out onto the street, exercising the gifts that God had given them. The gospel was powerfully shared by Peter, and the Lord added 3,000 people to their number that day. How awesome would that be for God to move in such power? What a great problem to have. I don't know what we'd do, but it'd be fun. Anybody fancy doing 17 services on a Sunday? This mission is so important. And just as the vision statement says, we must never give up. We, should, we must never tire of doing God's work. As a church, we're committed to reaching out into the community. We care about where we live. We care about the reputation of Jesus. We care about those living in darkness. That's why we do Christmas events like Blow As You Go or Wreath Making. That's why we do holiday Bible clubs. It's why we give gifts to the school teachers. It's why we do Easter breakfasts and Alpha courses. And there's so much more we can and will in time do. And all of these are so important. But I do want to offer just a couple of challenges here as well. While collective church-based outreach activities like these are great, our calling is primarily and firstly a personal one. 
Church events are no replacement for reaching out to your neighbours, for having your colleagues over for dinner, for inviting your friend to Alpha. Our primary responsibility as Christians is to be salt and light where we are placed. And make no mistake about it, God has placed you where you are for a reason. And we need to be primarily relational in our evangelism. There are loads of statistics out there on this stuff, but I saw one that said that about 90% of people who visit church for the first time do so based on a personal invite. No amount of signs that we can put up, no amount of flyers we can push out, no amount of lovely things we can do for the community is going to make the difference compared to you just going and asking someone. We need to invite them. So if we want to see people being changed by Christ, then it's simple. We need to tell them. And that's not easy. I get it. But we need to look really carefully at this mission that's been given to us. When you look at Acts 2, one of the key things we see is the way that the early church cared for and loved one another. Have a quick look at verse 44. It says, And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received food. Sorry, I lost myself. With glad and generous hearts. It's a lovely picture of the church at work. Caring and loving one another, meeting each other's needs, being sacrificial with their time and their resources. And I love this phrase in the NLV. It says, Together they were together with glad and sincere hearts. Well, I'd love for us to be in a place where we had glad and sincere hearts together. Something we can really aspire to. And I think it's really important to note that it doesn't say the pastor cared for all the believers or the leader sold everything and gave it to anyone as they had need. This was an organic thing where people were caring for one another, meeting one another's needs. And that's one of the reasons, as interesting Scott mentioned this morning, it's one of these, the reasons why it's so important that your engagement with Couture Community Church goes beyond a Sunday. It's why small groups and ladies' Bible studies and weekends away and opening your homes matter. We need to know each other in order to care well for each other. We need to be present in each other's lives to know what's going on. And what I love about this little bit of scripture is it doesn't stop at verse 46. We also have verse 47. It says, Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The early church enjoyed the favor of all people, and I'm sure that this was a a direct result of how well they loved one another. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That, friends, is what's at stake. The way in which we love each other has a direct impact on our reputation and standing in the community. It has a direct impact on Jesus' reputation and it has a direct impact on those who are being saved. When the church is functioning the way it should be, the world doesn't know what to do with it. 
when we rejoice when each other rejoices and mourn when each other mourns we're also witnesses to those looking on i've said before part of what's happened here in Kintour has been built on lasagnas for jesus people just caring for folks that they come across and truthfully they don't know what to do with it they're completely confused bamboozled by the idea that somebody they don't know would come and give them a lasagna we need to do more of that. Unfortunately, the converse is also true. I don't think there's a greater blocker to the advancement of the gospel than the way that Christians can behave towards each other. So often in my experience, if I'm honest, the people I work with or meet socially can be far nicer to each other than Christians can be in the church. And I'm convinced that this must grieve the Lord's heart in a really significant way. So for our little church, we need to guard unity and peace with one another. We need to check our own hearts. We need to humble ourselves and regularly choose grace, sometimes even sacrificially, for the sake of unity, so that the Lord might be glorified in our community. And when we do that, when we love each other really well, we pray that God will use that as a witness and that he would see fit to add to our number daily those who are So we need to be expectant for God to move among us as we gather on Sundays and in small groups. We need to be expectant for people to be saved as we reach out and as we love each other well. And we need to be expectant for prayer to be answered. Over the past six years of Contour Community Church, I've been so amazed to watch the Lord at work in answering our prayers. I can tell you stories of people being healed, of financial needs being met, of jobs being provided, of people being saved, of baptisms, of buildings being gifted to us. In our vision statement, it talks about being mindful of God's past faithfulness. And friends, that is so, so important. Even if you personally feel super frustrated about church right now, there is no denying that the Lord has shown his path faithfulness to us here in Kintour. And we must, must, must remember all that he's done for us. We must give thanks and glory back to him. He's an incredible father who loves to give gifts to his children and that should cause our expectation to rise. Please, please, don't stop telling stories of God's faithfulness. Regularly share with everyone what he's been doing. Let's let the little intro that Scott did be 10 minutes long because we can't stop blabbering about all the things that he's been doing. Jesus tells us that if we have faith as small as a mustard seed, then we can see the mountains move. So let's be expectant and full of faith as we pray for and with one another. And honestly, I think this is an area where we could grow in as a church. I would love to see us opening up more opportunities for a response on a Sunday, for chances to pray with each other. And that's on me just as much as anyone. I'd love for us to be taking, intentional, taking time intentionally after services to pray with each other, to encourage one another, 
Let's not let the practicalities of packing up this building or getting home to lunch get in the way of meeting with God and building one another up. We're told in Acts 2 that there were many signs and wonders. We need to remember that we worship the God of miracles. Let's be expectant for that to happen in our church. So if you need prayer, no matter how big or small the issue may be, don't come and go without seeking prayer from your church family. Going to be expecting this thing's going to keep standing up. Um, ask someone you trust. Or if need be, come and ask Scott or Charlie or me. Don't leave these places with unfinished business. And friends, for all of us, let's be intentional in offering to pray with one another. Again, let's leave our Scottish pride at the door. If someone doesn't look okay, go and ask them. If they need prayer, offer to pray for the men in there. Don't say, oh yeah, I'm praying for you, that's great. We want to be people who love the presence of God and who are expecting that he will show up and who love to pray with one another. Let's be expecting for God to move. Let's be expecting for lives to be saved. Let's be expecting for prayers to be answered. And finally, the vision statement makes it clear that we will be people of effort. That we won't give up, we won't settle. And that's key to the life of the church. We see throughout the New Testament that being believers together took effort. Deacons were appointed to care for the distribution of food, to care for the widows. In Acts 2, we see them making financial sacrifices, that took effort. Time was invested, that took effort. Needs were met, that took effort. They didn't give up meeting together, that took effort. And in the same way, we see a vision of a church that serves one another, that serves our community well, that's sacrificial in giving, that's invested and intentional in meeting the needs we see among us. And we know already that there's a huge amount of effort that's required to do things in Pintor, especially in the season that we're in and we have been in. People are stretched on rotas and planning groups for setup and coffee and children's church and music and crash and Holiday Bible Club and, and admin and building purchases and the list goes on. All of these things require effort and staying power. All of these things come at cost and we're massively thankful for that. Just as a side note, if you're sitting here and you're new and you're not quite sure how to serve, maybe you're not new, maybe you've been here for a while and you're still not quite sure how to serve, please come and talk to us. You would be so, so welcome. Don't be embarrassed. You would be welcomed with open arms. You'd be such an encouragement. And the truth is you'll be extremely blessed by being part of God's service. It strikes me that as you think about these things, there's an interesting balance between expectation and effort in a lot of what we do. We need to be expectant for God to move in our services and we need to put effort into fighting for the front row. We need to be expectant for God to bring healing and we need to put effort into trusting in his sovereignty in our lives. We need to be expectant for God to meet our financial needs and sometimes we just need to give. We need to be expectant for prayers to be answered and we need to put effort into intentionally seeking people out to pray with. 
We need to be expected for people to be saved. And we need to put effort into reaching out to our neighbours and making invitations and opening up our homes. But friends, I believe as we come to God with a sense, sense of faith and expectation, when we're committed to making the effort to serve well, to never give up, then we'll see God move in ways beyond anything we could ask or imagine. I believe we will enjoy the favour of all people. And may it be that the Lord would add to our number, week after week, those who are being saved. All for his glory and his faith. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful that you are not a distant God. Lord, we're thankful that you give us these examples like the early church. Where you moved in incredibly powerful ways, where you shored up people to strive for more of what you had. Lord, thank you, you're the same God that it was 2,000 plus years ago as you are today. Father, thank you that when we come to you with expectant hearts, we can have faith that you will move. That we can say to the mountains to move in the world, that we can come to the God who meets our needs and we know that you will. Father, help us to be people who are expectant for you to move among us, who are intentional in our actions and our heart posture, that we come and fight for the front row of the Lord. We pray that you would Give us hearts that are expected to see lives saved. Help us to be intentional in reaching out. Help us to make the effort to make the invitation. And Lord, help us to be people who are expecting that you would answer our prayers. Lord, how we need you. How we need you to heal our bodies. How we need you to strengthen our hearts. How we need you to give us wisdom. How we need you to move. And Lord, we come humbly as your people, knowing that you are the one who, when we ask for bread, will give us a stone. Lord, help us to be a church that is expected <coughs> for you to move in ways that are measurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. We trust you, Jesus. We will not give up. Help us, I pray. In Jesus' name.